The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Our aim is this, to learn to run the Christian life in the right direction. Jonah is a book about running. In each chapter, we find Jonah running in a different direction in relation to his relationship with God. In chapter 1, we find Jonah running from God. Tragically, he is running from the presence of the Lord. He's a prophet, and God gives him an assignment that he does not like. Let me ask this. Has God ever given you an assignment that you would rather not do? He's commanded to go to this city of Nineveh, a very violent city. It's a cesspool of wickedness, and he's told to warn them about God's judgment and give them a chance to repent. I mean, this is a wicked city, former uh, enemies of Israel. And Jonah wants no part of this assignment, understandably. And he would rather die than go to Nineveh. And he thinks kind of hilariously that he can evade the presence of God. Where can you go that you can escape God? He thinks he can just evade the will of the Lord. He decides decides to jump ship, head in the opposite direction. He thinks, man, I just need a cruise right now. And he goes in the opposite direction. But here's what I love about this story. When Jonah is running from God, God is pursuing Jonah. Amen? When you run from the Lord, listen, God is pursuing you. He's a faithful God even when you are not faithful. He's proven to be faithful in my life, even when I have not proven to be so faithful. The Lord sends a mighty storm. Jonah is thrown overboard by these sailors, according to the will of God. And it looks like Jonah's story is over, but God now appoints a great fish that swallows Jonah. And he spends three days and three nights in the belly of this great fish fish. And here's the application from week one that sometimes God does ask us to do things that stretch us, that make us uncomfortable, things that we would rather not do. Following the will of God is difficult at times. Can I get an amen? But here's what we see from Jonah's story. Not following God's will is even tougher. We would be best, even though God's will is uncomfortable sometimes, we would be, uh, it would be awesome if we would just follow his will just up front, right? We'd save ourselves a lot of pain. Not obeying God wreaks havoc in our life. Last week, week two, we see Jonah running to God. So he was running from God, then he was running to God, and after being in the belly of a fish for three days, took him three days, he was stubborn. Come on, any stubborn folks in the room today? And he finally cries out to the Lord. He repents, which means he had a change of mind, a change of direction. And instead of going his own way, he finally decides it's best to do the will of the Lord. The Lord outweights his stubbornness, if you will. And what was interesting last week in the message I want to point out again is that, listen, Jonah's thrown overboard. He'd rather be thrown overboard than follow the will of the Lord. Swallowed by a fish. 
Still's not giving in. It took three days. He was stubborn. But you know what the turning point was in Jonah's life? It was found in chapter 2 and verse 4 when he felt distant from the Lord. And I talked about, yes, there are physical painful consequences when we disobey God. But the worst part about a child of God sinning is it breaks our fellowship with God. And that caused a shift in Jonah's life, and he did repent. And I love the, the, the final verse in chapter 2 after Jonah repents, and he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. I love these words. It says, then God spoke to the fish, which tells me this. If you will repent, God can speak to your situation. Amen. Whatever you're going through right now, if you will turn to the Lord, he can speak to your situation. And when he speaks to your situation, how many know things change? We serve a mighty God. Well, today in chapter 3, we're going to see God. Or Jonah is now running with God. So he went from running from God to running to God. And now I love this chapter. Jonah is running with God. And instead of reading the full chapter up front like I normally do, we will just read it uh, piece by piece today as I break down the, the text into three different parts. Here's the main truth I want you to get. It is a blessing to be used by God for the work of the ministry, or you could say for kingdom purposes. Can I get an amen? It is a blessing to be able to be used by God in any capacity for the work of the ministry. One of the greatest privileges as a believer is to be used by the Lord. Listen to me. Every single Christian is called to the work of the ministry. My job as a pastor is not to solely do the work of the ministry. It is to equip, Ephesians 4.12, it is to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. And, oh, friends, what a privilege it is. I just saw the joy on the faces of the people yesterday in our church who just so kindly and graciously served our community. There was such a spirit of joy because it feels good to be able to be used by the Lord. Amen? And I want to brag on one of our kids today. Is Abby still in here or did she go downstairs? She, she went downstairs. All right. So I think we have a picture here, but Abby writ out. Uh, Matthew and Wendy's Matthew and Wendy wave to everybody. So, uh, I, I think we ought to brag on good parents. Amen. Um, their their six year old daughter runs up to me on Wednesday. She says, "Hey, I've got something to to, to tell you." I said, "Oh, Abby, what is it?" She says, "I brought two friends and my Bible to church." <laughs> Come on, somebody, that'll make a preacher happy right there. And so Abby uh, introduces me to her friends, um, Kayla and Gavin. They live in Georgetown. And it's just this natural, Abby's playing with them. It's just natural for her to share the love of God with her friends. Wow. Just natural. Nobody had to coax her into doing this. And she says, she comes home, Mom and Dad, uh, can, can I bring Gavin and Kayla to church tonight? How powerful. They walk in the church doors, and one of the kids says, wow, this is a small church. <laughs> and my friend Abby turns around and says, in an almost defensive way, this is the greatest church in the world. <laughs> Lord, give us some Abbeys. Amen. <laughs> Woo, I love it. You know what Abby's doing this day? It's six years old. 
She is walking with the Lord. What is our excuse? Lord, I haven't been to seminary. Lord, I've not been to church very long. God doesn't want you to give something you don't have. Just give what you do have. I remember the woman at the well, John chapter 4. This woman had no degree in theology. She, she, she was really confused about a lot of things, but she had one encounter with Jesus. She leaves her water pot at the well, and immediately she begins to go tell the village about Jesus, and many people were saved because of it. All of us are called to ministry. Listen, if you are not serving, it's, the Christian life is not a, a spectator sport, friends. We're to get involved just like Abby and do our part. So I want to begin unpacking this verse as we look at Jonah's call to serve in ministry. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. I want to begin by looking simply at Jonah's call, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1 says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Saying, I, I want to stop there for a moment. Did you catch that? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, which tells me this, friends. God is a God of second chances. Hallelujah. He's a God of second chances. I want you to consider Jonah. Jonah has now disobeyed the Lord. He has run from God. He has blatantly said, Lord, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm getting on a cruise ship heading the opposite direction of where you told me to go. This is a prophet of God. But God did not throw him by the wayside. Thank the Lord. He's a compassionate, gracious God. God didn't replace him. He just pursued him. God loved Jonah enough to allow some storms to come in his life, some tribulation to come up in, into his life, and those things were not meant to harm him, but to redirect him, pointing him back to God's will. You would think his ministry would be over, but no, God is a God of second chances. I want to encourage somebody today. You may have royally messed up, and the enemy may have whispered in your ear, your ministry is over, your effectiveness is over. But can I tell you today, if you will repent and you will turn to God, he can use you in powerful, mighty ways. Your past does not define your future. Amen. We serve an awesome God. You know, there are times in my ministry, I've been in ministry 20 years now, especially early on, I had some really big mess-ups. I had to confess sin. We should all be confessing our sins one to another. I've had to meet with other pastors, and at times I thought that God could never use me again. He has picked me up. He has allowed me to continue, and I'm so grateful for that. Now, I know we have to be careful because some people say, Pastor, if you preach that, people won't care. They'll just sin. No. Why would you do that to the God who loves you? Why would you intentionally run against him? That's trampling the blood of Christ. I'm not talking about a get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm just saying, listen, if you have messed up, if you have run from the Lord, we've all been there. I want you to know that your story is not over. If you're here today, if you're listening online, listen, your story is not over. Your yesterday, I love this, does not define your tomorrow. I'll say that one more time. What does God ask Jonah to do? Look at the next verse here. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, 
the message that I tell you. Does that sound familiar? It's the same thing he said in chapter 1. Jonah tended to take the long way around. Anybody tend to take the long way around? Here's what I want you to see. God doesn't change the plan to make it easier. Jonah may have thought, man, I've gone through all this. Surely God's not going to ask me to go to Nineveh. Maybe he'll send me to a less wicked city. But no, God's plan did not change. Let me just take a little bit of a rabbit trail for just a moment. A planned rabbit trail, if that's possible. How do we know that the Lord is speaking to us? Do you ever wonder that? How do you know it's the Lord? When you hear something speak, someone speaking to your heart, how do you know that's the Lord and not bad pizza? Come on, somebody. Well, let me give you just a, a couple hints. Number one, be sure that you're being led in a direction that lines up with the Word of God because God is not going to lead you to do something outside of, your, outside of His Word. I've had people tell me, you know what, uh, Pastor, uh, God has called me to leave my husband. He's, he's provided me with this great man. And I go... I just don't think that's the Lord telling you to walk out on your husband and, and go, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think that's the Lord. That doesn't line up with the Scripture. See, we've got to be careful. We've got to test and make sure that what we're called to do lines up with the will of God. Secondly, I would encourage you when you think something is of the Lord to seek counsel, to seek counsel. Proverbs 15, 22, with counsel plans fail. Uh, without counsel, excuse me, plans fail, but without many advisors, they succeed. With many advisors. I, I need to say this one more time. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Bottom line, talk to some people. Talk to some spiritual leaders. Talk to some pastors, some elders, some deacons. Get some thoughts on what you're wanting to do. There's wisdom in that. But thirdly, and this is what I see here in Jonah. Listen for God to repeat himself. Because I go off on some, some dreams that sometimes that I'm really passionate one week and then the next week I'm not hearing anything about that dream, which tells me it's probably not of the Lord. We get excited about things that God does not necessarily drop in our heart. If God is calling you to do something, just like with Jonah, I believe he'll continue to speak to you. He doesn't mind repeating himself. He'll confirm it over and over. Often he'll use other people to confirm it in your life. If you're called to the mission field, he'll have somebody confirm that with you often. So test what you feel in your heart. Make sure it's of the Lord. Now, go with me to verse 3. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh, which shows he really did repent. He's now obeying God according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, get 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Can you imagine going into this wicked city, and here's the message, you're so bad, and God's going to get you. How would you like that assignment? Not fun. And here's what I love. Jonah does not water down the message. He is not ashamed to tell people. He loves them enough to tell them about their wickedness. The first part of the good news, what we call the gospel, is understanding the bad news. Because if you don't know the bad news, that you are a sinner far from God, under the wrath of God, friends, the good news will not matter to you. Well, you want to be saved? Well, what do I need to be saved from? I'm a good person. The bottom of the line is this, no, you're not a good person to the core, no. We are all sinners 
who fall short of the glory of God. You compare yourself to brother so-and-so who lives next to you, then maybe you're a good person, comparatively. But when you put yourself up to the holiness of God, you'll soon find, like Isaiah found, Isaiah chapter 6, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of people, in the midst of people of unclean lips. When you realize God's standard of perfection, his standard of holiness, you realize that you're far from God. That's what makes the gospel so beautiful. Christ does for us what we can never do for ourselves. We've got to be willing to tell people the bad news, not just the good news. We can't be ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek I just encourage you with something today. You may not know your exact ministry calling, but every one of us are called to preach the gospel. Every one of you in some sense. You're not maybe vocational preachers, but you're called to preach. You are called to share the gospel. This is the great commission. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. How many know people need the gospel? That's what our city needs. They need the gospel. You know, I, I love what, what, what these missionaries are doing because they're not just giving themselves help in 12 steps. No, that, that, that foundation, 12 steps are great, but that foundational step has to be Jesus Christ. If it's not, the rest are not going to hold, not going to last. He's the only one who can deal with our ultimate problem. That is the problem of original sin. It is separate us from God. Look at verse 5, a beautiful verse. Jonah's telling the people how horrible they are. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. I want you to consider, we're talking about Jonah right now. Consider how Jonah is used. God uses this disobedient, broken man to reach one of the most wicked cities of that day. And let me just encourage somebody, if God can use Jonah, can God not use you? Oh, I wish somebody would get a hold of this today. And that's the call of Jonah's life. I mean, he, here he is. One day he's in the belly of the fish. Now he's leading the most wicked city, one of the greatest cities, a large city, a wicked city. And they're now repenting because of Jonah's message. Wow. And how good does it feel, even though we give the glory to God, how good does it feel, church, to be used in that capacity? Secondly, I want to look at Nineveh's conviction. Nineveh's conviction. Verse 6 says, The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. That's good right there. He removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. I just want to encourage you this morning, if you want a relationship with God, if you want to walk with the Lord, you've got to get off the throne. See, everybody says they want to be used by God. The problem is they want to still be on the throne of their own life. You want to be used by the Lord? Get off the throne and say, God, you tell me where to go. You tell me what to say. You tell me what to do. You cannot run your own life and submit to God at the same time. John 12, 25, Jesus says, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Look at verse 6, the Last part, that the king removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth, 
and sat in the ashes. This is a sign of humility and repentance. This is the king setting the standard here. I love this. You know what I love about this story? The king does not blame anyone else. He doesn't blame the Democrats or the Republicans. He just, he just says, hey, I'm going to get off the throne. I'm going to humble myself. It's going to start with me. I have a role to play in this. He sets the example, and I just want to ask anybody, are you tired of politics? I'm tired of Republicans and Democrats. All right, no favorites here today. You know what, what upsets me about politicians, and I appreciate, I, I, we ought to be praying for our politicians, but you know the f- most frustrating thing about politicians is to me? It's always somebody else's fault. I'm ready for somebody to say, hey, I made a bad decision. I made a bad decision, and if this country is going to go in the right direction, I'm going to first have to own my own mistakes. We love the blame game. We love the blame game. And friends, this does not get us anywhere. When things go wrong in this church, listen, there's a lot of people I could blame. But I'm the pastor of this church. And ultimately, ultimately, things that happen, I'm responsible for. That's what a leader does. He takes ownership. She takes ownership. We've got to take responsibility for our own lives. And I pray for our leaders, and, and, and I'm grateful for our, our leaders today. I'm, I just pray that God would give them this level of humility. It seems like weakness when you're a politician, but this is actually meekness, not weakness, and it's powerful. It's powerful. And here's what happens after the king does this. The people repent. The people repent. Look at verse 7. The king, he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Here's the decree. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. He's calling a fast. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. The people fasted and they returned to the Lord, not just because the king said so. If you go back to verse 5, it said the people of Nineveh believed God. I think that's important. Nineveh probably seemed like a waste of time to Jonah. Have you ever felt that way sharing Christ with someone? Oh, this person's too far gone. This is just a waste of time. What happens, though? They repent. It was not a waste of time. It wasn't a waste of time. I want you to see one more thing here. I want you to see, number three, God's compassion, and then we're going to be done. Look at verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. I want you to look first at a couple things here. I want to look at uh, God's compassion in using Jonah. Again, God could have used anybody else, but he didn't. This city was saved. That includes children, women. They're saved. Why? Because God used Jonah. Jonah got to be a part of that. And I want to ask it again. If God can use Jonah, could God use you? I want you to think of Jonah. He's been vomited out of a big fish. Can you imagine? I mean, was his skin bleach white? 
from the acid in the belly. Look like Chris Morris. I so hope he's online watching right now. A former associate pastor of ours. Here's what I love. Jonah, when you read the story, guys, he's a little bit crazy. I just need to know any crazy folks up in here today. I'm a little crazy sometimes, amen? And, and here's what this shows me. God can use some crazy people, amen? I, I love it. I love when God uses people that, that you would not suspect that God would use. I love it. This man willing to spend three days in a fish, God can use some crazy people. Mm, that's compassion. He doesn't kick Jonah by the wayside. Kick him wise down. No, Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Jonah, here. This is still on the table. Go to Nineveh. What a great God. Consider God's compassion upon the people of Nineveh. Wicked city. God had every right just to wipe them out. Wipe them off the face of the earth. But he sends his prophet to the most despicable and offers them a chance to repent. And they do, and God spares them. Wow. Can I just encourage you? Don't give up on people. Don't ever think that anybody is outside of the reach of God. I love the ministry that you guys do. I love Celebrate Recovery because we're reaching people that other people might have given up on. I was with people this morning at a halfway house preaching to them, meeting with them, and I, I, I preached the same message. I said, guys, I don't care what people have told you. Your story's not over. You've got purpose. If you will repent and turn from your ways and turn to the living God, he'll use you in ways that will blow your mind. We serve an awesome God. Don't give up on people. God is a God of compassion, and the apex of that compassion is seen in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God looked upon us knowing that we could never in a million lifetimes save ourselves. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who was obedient all the way to Calvary, died a gruesome death, a sinner's death. And the story doesn't end there. He is now risen. He's now risen. And in that sacrifice, you know, people say, well, what are we saved from? When you are in your sin, apart from Jesus Christ, friends, you and I, apart from Jesus, we're under the wrath of God. We're under the wrath of God. But Jesus became a curse, the Scripture says, for us. In other words, he took our place. He took the curse upon him. He appeased the wrath of God. Hear me. He appeased the wrath of God. That's why broken people like us have a fighting chance. Not because of what we can do. Not because of our talents. Not because of our gifts. Friends, it's because of what Jesus has already done. So let me encourage you today, if you're not a Christian... If you're battling addiction, if you're battling something else and, and, and you have never known Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, run to God. You cannot fix yourself. Jonah realized he cannot fix himself. Let me encourage you today, friend, run to the arms of Jesus. And don't say, well, pastor, I've been to the altar before. I don't know. 
Thank God he's a God of second chances. I'd invite you to come in just a moment to the altar. But I assume I'm talking to mainly Christians in here today. I hope so. And I want to just encourage you to run with God. A lot of you have run to God. But are you running with God? What are you doing for the work of the ministry? Well, pastor, I'm busy. So am I. So was my wife. Well, you're the preacher. All right. Bob is busy. He owns his own business. Christy's busy. Jennifer's busy. Hunter's busy. I can go on and on and on. It's not an excuse. This call is to, the reason we're left here on earth is because, friends, we have work to do. And if we're going to impact the city, we've all got to be a part of this. And I realize when you have young, young children, it's a little bit harder to do. Just do something. I'm not asking you to give what you don't have. I'm just asking you to give what you do have, what you're able to do. And that should involve sacrifice. If it doesn't cost you anything, you know, set some other things aside and say, hey, I'm going to serve. I'm going to give financially. I'm going to give my time, my, tre- my, my talent, my treasure. Those are three things you have. And I encourage you to give them all faithfully. I'll close with this story. I was with a pastor just a couple weeks ago who told me this true story. A 12-year-old girl decides I want to do something for Jesus. 12 years old. Praise the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? God lays it on her heart to buy Bibles. She takes her babysitting money. She takes her babysitting money, Christmas money, birthday money, and she buys just a stockpile of Bibles. She begins to give them to her unsaved friends. Don't miss this. She got to lead people to Christ, talk to them about the Bible, about Jesus. She does this from 12 years old to 14 years old. At 14 years old, tragically, this young girl dies in a car crash. At her funeral, they find this stack of Bibles. The place is packed out. And they give away all these Bibles and 200 people, 200 of her friends that she witnessed to, came to the altar at her funeral service and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Wow. 12 years old to 14 years old, I want to do something for Jesus. Friends, don't waste your life. It's not about houses and cars. It's about Jesus. You will feel so much, nothing wrong. I'm not preaching against having nice things. I just want to encourage you. Don't let that consume your life. What are you doing to impact God's kingdom? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.